0: Our first uh, scripture reading of the morning is from the first uh, book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, chapter 4, verses uh, 1 through 16. Now the man, Adam, uh, knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have produced a man with the help of the Lord. Next she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a tiller of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel, for his part, brought of the firstlings of his flock, their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well... Will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is lurking at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. Cain said to his brother Abel, Let us go out to the field. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it will no longer yield to you its strength. You will be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Today you have driven me away from the soil. And I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And anyone who meets me may kill me. Then the Lord said to him, not so. Whoever kills Cain will suffer a sevenfold vengeance. And the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who came upon him would kill him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod east of Eden. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second uh, scripture reading is very short, uh, just two uh, verses from uh, James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. He says this, You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. And friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in a moment of prayer? Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, uh, this morning we are attempting, best we can, to grasp a tiger by the tail. And it is the snarling tiger of anger, which all too often rises up in our souls to attack other people and we pray that your holy spirit would come now and tame that beast that is within us so that every day of our lives we may truly reflect the love and grace of jesus christ in whose name we pray amen well i'd like to begin with a question this morning and it is this how many of you are the oldest child in your family raise your hand Oldest child. Well, you know what they say, you can always tell the oldest child, but you can't tell them much. (laughs) I heard about a study that they did in Who's Who in America. They studied the background of people who actually made it into the Who's Who, and what they found is that you have the best chance of making it into the Who's Who of America if you are the oldest son of a minister. I sometimes wonder, though, if they did a study of the FBI's 10 most wanted list, if they wouldn't find out the same thing. Well, according to one author, the eldest child tends to think of himself as perched high atop the pyramid of life. The eldest child tends to take a parental attitude towards his peers. The eldest child relishes giving orders and keeping things straight for the younger, less competent mortals. The eldest child believes he or she is the person best qualified to elevate society and make the world be a better place to live. And like most parents, the eldest child demands complete loyalty from his followers. Translation of all that, impossible to live with. (laughs) Well, I believe that birth order is one of the keys to helping unlock this story this morning of Cain and Abel. We read, Now the man knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have produced a man with the help of the Lord. Next she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a tiller of the ground. Notice the pecking order is already in place. Adam and Eve have a child. They name him Cain, which means I brought forth a man. His kid brother comes along, and they name him Abel, which means frailty or nothingness. And that is exactly how Cain saw it, the man and the nothing. Well, this workplace uh, 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 rift between brothers uh, extends into the workplace because Cain and Abel choose complete opposite and, and competing occupations. Cain is a tiller of the soil, while Abel is a keeper of the flocks. And today, if we look around, economics still fragments our society into conflicting attitudes and competing interests. We have management and labor. We have uh, developers and we have ecologists. We have urban and country. There are those eligible to receive a stimulus check and those who are not eligible to receive a stimulus check. And on it goes. Well, uh, earlier this week, I found out that there are at least, at least 10 different identifiable cliques at Slanko High School. 10 different identifiable cliques at Slanko High School. There are the popular kids, jocks, nerds, druggies, goths, loners, band kids, hicks, pick me girls and pick me boys. Imagine trying to get those groups together to pray. They won't even talk to each other. So what if you were a jock and and your brother was a nerd? Cain was a farmer and Abel was a shepherd. Now there's nothing that shows the gulf though between these two brothers is that they don't even go to church together. Imagine that. The first two brothers on planet Earth hold separate worship services. Reminds me of the joke that I heard of the first two Scotsmen that came to America. One started the first Presbyterian church and the other went across the street and started the second Presbyterian church. But Cain and Abel have separate offerings. Cain's offering is from out in his field and Abel presents his offering from his own flock. And there's the rub in the story. Because it says the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Ever wonder why? What was the basis of God's preference one over the other? What was God like me? Does God like lamb chops and despise Brussels sprouts? I don't know. But why does he accept the shepherd's offering and and, and reject the farmer's offering? Well, as we read the story, we find that that we find out that Abel brought his very best abel brought what cost him something abel brought the choicest cuts from his finest stock to god and it appears that cain just sort of absent-mindedly threw some vegetables on top of the pile but right off the top abel brought his very best to god and as for cain his worship just fell flat it says in verse five, so Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. One, one translation says his, his face was downcast. We're coming down the home stretch here in my sermon series. And today we're taking a look at another of the room in our homes that may need an extreme makeover. It's not a room we spend a whole lot of time in unless you have your very own man cave, or you just want to send the kids down away from you to have their own little play space and area. But I'm talking about the basement in your homes. Now, as I said, Cain is very angry. There is a beast deep down inside of him that he needs to deal with. There is stuff in the basement that is unhealthy in his relationship with God and with his brother. The late Dennis Hopper played these kind of psycho villains in movies like Speed and Waterworld. And he was once asked in an interview, what evil lurks in you to play such bad characters? And Dennis Hopper said, evil? There is no evil. I just wear tight underwear. (laughs) You know, we wish it were that easy. We wish it were just tight underwear. But Cain's anger here in the story is very real. Because Cain had always been the superior older brother and now God comes along and just jerks the rug right out from underneath him. So he's hopping mad. I'm gonna come clean here for a moment because I think I know how Cain feels. I raised my hand too at the start because I am an older brother and I set up the pecking order in my life very early, just like Cain did. My sister Karen is seven years younger than me. And I pretty much had the run of the place until a little sister came along. But, you know, that didn't stop me. I pretty much threw my weight around in order to get my own way. Well, when uh, when I was growing up, my my father did not have any dental insurance uh, through the police department. And I had this kind of David Letterman-like gap uh, between my front teeth. And my parents could not afford braces. And so the best that they could do for me was give me these tiny little rubber bands that I was to put around these two front teeth to try to close that gap. As my father reminded me, well, John, it's not like you're going to Hollywood. Well, by the time my sister needed braces, my father had insurance and she got the full Cadillac package. Today, her teeth are perfectly straight and white. And I swear to you that when she smiles, I can almost hear a ping sound to it. I now know why Cain killed his brother. <laughs> <laughs> and so Abel isn't the only victim in the story. Like Cain, Cain's also a victim. Cain's also hurting Cain has put uh, down below his, his younger brother. His, his ego is shattered. His, uh, his confidence is low. He hates his brother. And so he kind of faces an agonizing crisis of forgiveness. And we have one of the most memorable face-to-face encounters, maybe in all the Old Testament, because God takes Cain aside and it says in verse 7, if you do not do well, sin is lurking at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. In other words, what I think God is saying is, Cain, if you don't get a grip on your anger, it is going to do you in. If you don't deal with that stuff of yours in the basement, it is going to tear your soul to shreds. You heard me read earlier from uh, James chapter 1. Everyone, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. For one's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. When uh, Abraham Lincoln announced to his cabinet that he intended to to forgive Southerners and restore the South, the Secretary of State at the time under him, a gentleman in name of, of, of Edwin Stanton, challenged him on that. He said, Mr. President, I say we ought to destroy our enemies. And Lincoln, with great wisdom, replied, Mr. Secretary, do we not destroy our enemies when we make them our friends? In other words, Lincoln was saying, are we not our brother's keeper? You see, the way you deal with the stuff of yours that's in the basement is through forgiveness. Unfortunately, the stuff in Cain's basement is still there. And so he tells his brother Abel, let's go out for a walk in the field. They're out in the field walking and talking when all of a sudden this axe rises and then it falls on on Abel's head. And Cain kills his brother. Now you need to know, this is not just a story of how two brothers came to disagree over a sacrificial offering to God. This is not an isolated incident in history. This is the first case of something that is repeated again and again and again and again. Too many people have way too much stuff in the basement and it's moving up the stairs and then it emerges into destructive action. Over 16,000 times in America last year, the sin of Cain was repeated. Homicide is now the second leading cause of death between people ages 15 to 24. Some 600 murders will take place this next year in Pennsylvania alone. See, we have Cain's blood coursing through our veins. We all have a nasty lower nature. In fact, you know, it. It doesn't offer a lot of hope, does it? Cain is told, and now you are cursed from the ground, which opens its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. In other words, the land has turned against you, Cain. And then we have arguably some of the saddest words in all the Bible. It says in verse 16, the last verse of our, our scripture reading, then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord. That's kind of where we are today, isn't it? We're, we're so separated from God, and yet we're so full of violence that the chasms between us are so great that the violence within us is so strong. Where does it end? Friends, it ends at the cross. The cross ends the story of Cain and Abel. On the cross, Jesus died for you and me. On the cross cain and abel are reconciled to each other and to god and when we turn our anger over to jesus christ he makes a cross out of it and then he uses it to heal this broken world so this morning i want to invite you to do something i want to invite you to come to the cross i want you to bring your cain i want you to bring your abel whether you've been the aggressor like cain or the victim like abel is there someone with whom you are angry with this morning Is there someone that you need to forgive? It might be someone who needs to forgive you. But you can bring that person to the cross this morning. And while I doubt that you can do that personally, you can still do it in your minds. You can still do it in your hearts. You can still perform mental surgery on that person and separate them from the hurt that they've caused you. Way back on November uh, 14th, 1960, a little black girl named Ruby Nell Bridges walked into the William France Elementary School after the federal court demanded that the New Orleans schools be desegregated. So imagine what would it be like to be a six-year-old girl and be the only black student in your whole school. And every time you walked into school, there was these adults screaming at you and yelling at you and shouting racial epithets at you. You've probably all seen that Famous 1964 Norman Rockwell painting that shows Ruby Bridges and pigtails. She's surrounded by all these big people. And then written on the wall is an ugly racial slur. Well, Ruby Bridges was interviewed not long after that experience. And I just want to share with you a portion of that interview. The interview asked, Ruby, when you were walking through the crowd, people said your lips were moving. Were you talking back to those people? no. What were you doing? She said, I was praying. Praying? Yes, usually I prayed before I I got to the crowd of people, but that morning I forgot. So I prayed while I was walking in. What did you pray, Ruby? I was praying God would forgive them because that is what Jesus did when he was on the cross. Well, the person who interviewed Ruby Bridges was a Harvard professor and Pulitzer Prize winning author by the name of Robert Coles. And not long after that, Robert Coles became a Christian because of the testimony of an African-American six-year-old girl named Ruby Bridges. Friends, undoubtedly this week, there are things that are gonna hurt you, that are gonna frustrate you, that are gonna make you fearful. And that beast in the basement of your home is going to be unleashed. And either you are gonna lash out with anger or you're going to walk the path of Ruby Bridges. C.S. Lewis has said, the angels of God hold their breath to see which way we're going to go. Which way will you go? I invite you to join me in prayer. Let us pray. Lord God, in so many ways... Anger is like a beast in the basement. And for those of us here today in which that is true, God, I just pray that you would give us the courage to explore and then discover why am I so angry. And so help us to see the difference that there is between appropriate and godly anger in which we represent your justice and righteousness and that destructive anger which tears down people and and wounds those whom we love, Today, today we seek your healing of our hurts, our frustrations, our fears, and we pray that the love of Jesus Christ would sweep over this entire congregation, this community, and the world that you have made, and that we would get rid of all that stuff of bitterness, rage, resentment, and violence, both in words and in actions. Help us instead to wrap our words in soft cloth before we release them. Put a long fuse on our emotional time bombs. Help us to take the edge off those biting words that we use to shred people. And may our hostility melt into love this day as we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught his people to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil.